My guest today is Kleba Mendoza Firjo, whose first, uh, whose debut narrative feature, Neighboring Sounds, was a part of New Directors New Films 2012, International Film Festival Rotterdam 2012, LA Film Festival 2012, and many others. It tells the story of a single city block in Recife, Brazil, and the inhabitants of that, as well as the anxieties, resentments of the divided society around them. Welcome, Kleiber. Yeah, hi. Hi. Um, I was just curious um, for this film, uh, what was the genesis of the project? What, what was the beginning um, of deciding to make this film? Um, I think the genesis was um, making the kind of films that I wasn't um, really seeing uh, in Brazil. Um, I was a film critic for 12 years, and um, of course I got to see films from just about everywhere, and Brazilian films also. And, um, and I just wanted to... Um, make a film that would be very honest and true and realistic, but at the same time that it wouldn't feel, um, you know, stuck in the, you know, in, in the known elements of realism that would, you know, just take off in different directions and, and, and that would allow me to play with um, some conventions that I really, really enjoy as a cinephile, watching films, um, making a, a movie movie um, out of very banal and, and, you know, everyday situations. And if I framed that, you know, in widescreen, if, if I did it right, um, I would probably end up with a film that I, that I would, you know, enjoy watching. I think that was the main thing that drove me, um, not only uh, in the genesis of the project, but throughout the, the whole process. Mm. Right. Um, what was what was the writing process like uh, in kind of, you know, getting all that together and figuring out uh, where what, how much of one element to add to that or not. I'm sorry. How much? How many? Uh, like, what element? Oh well, uh, you were you were just saying about how um, uh, that you wanted to play with certain elements that weren't necessarily always grounded in the realism that you saw in other Brazilian cinema. Um, what was what was the writing process like to kind of incorporate those things without it kind of overpowering the feature? Well, the best thing that happened in the writing process that these things came out very naturally. Um, um, I think in the beginning I wanted to do a film like that, but when I sat down to write, it didn't feel um, contrived in any way. It just felt, well, not not for me anyway. It just felt um, very kind of um, natural. And, and in fact, I wrote the script very much like, uh, like somebody reads a novel. Sometimes I would, I would um, just want to go back home to carry on writing because I wanted to find out how things would turn out, and, uh, and so these elements, I think, they came from 
a very natural uh, and organic writing process. These, for example, um, I think there are a couple of dream sequences in the film. When you put a dream in a film, you can do just about anything. You know, the film can suddenly become science fiction mm -hmm. because, of course, it's a dream, and and uh, the dreams we have, you know, they they don't have a limited budget. You can do anything on a dream. And not only that, but some sequences in the film which kind of suggest something else going on and maybe flirt with uh, suspense, horror um, elements. And, and it just came out very naturally from, from each situation. I would also say that these elements, they come from, um, you know, basic situations in in urban life in Brazil, which tends to be very kind of tense and paranoid. And, uh, uh, so when you shoot a human face uh, with fear, uh, it, you suddenly um, you suddenly find yourself in 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 the genre movie territory because a human face shot in cinemascope in fear it's it's a very cinematic image. So yeah. Yeah. Like that. Hmm. I, I'm curious too, were there any specific films that were kind of inspirations for this feature specifically, or did it kind of just come organically and naturally like the rest of the writing process? Um, it, it's really strange because to this day I'm still realizing bits and pieces from other films which I hadn't really thought before, but are there, and sometimes it's somebody in the audience who brings it up. But it, there's no real one film. I mean, it's when you're, I think even in, I, I mean, when, when we are <laughs> like hardcore cinephiles, um, a lot of situations we live in our lives, sometimes we remember, we remember something that we saw in a film, maybe a human, a human situation or some funny moment or, you know, sometimes you go in the elevator and you remember, I don't know, dress to kill. Um, but it, 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 it really happened in terms of um, fragments of different films. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, they occurred to me when I was writing the script and then they occurred to me when I was shooting the film. More films came in at the editing stage, and uh, and like I said, to this day I'm still realizing that this and that probably comes from from this and that, you know, those those other films. It's it's very complicated to discuss references because as much as I know you're a cinephile and and you're curious, but when we are film critics, and I say this because I was one. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you you go out in a kind of movie safari. You know, you're watching a film and, and you're trying to shoot down the, all the other possible elements that came from other films. And it, for the filmmaker, it's not really like that. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's not like we get tracing paper and, right. and <laughs> you know we, we get a whole sequence out of Hitchcock. Or, no, it's just a feeling. Mm -hmm. I I shot a sequence. Just to give you an idea, um, 
when Dino comes to talk to the security guys mm -hmm. and say some nasty things to them, um, the way he approaches the, you know, the, that part of the street, we can see him coming in a long shot in the, in, in the street at night. And that's something that when I was shooting, I was thinking of um, a very brief scene in Escape from New York, filmed by John Carpenter. Mm. So when I finally got home at about 7 a.m., I just went to my DVD collection and put Escape from New York to have a look. And it, it was exactly the way it's in, it was in John Carpenter's film, the way the scene is set up. But, you know, I never went back you know, the days before I went to shoot my own scene to, to have a look at that scene. It was just something that was still in my head, and I, right. I, I always liked the, the way that scene played. Right. So, I, I assume that maybe, you know, you as your past in being a critic and a programmer, I mean, those things kind of, obviously, because they're a part of you, fit in, but they don't, didn't necessarily directly fit in in writing and making this film. Um, actually, I quit film criticism to make this film, but I did not quit film programming. Uh, it's something that I still enjoy very much. Um, I program an international film festival in Sisi, which happens in November. And I work for a foundation. It's a federal foundation. And I programmed the, the screening room there. My job is to show everything the multiplexes will not touch. And uh, so we bring a lot of great films from around the world, and Brazil and U.S. also. And, and I love that job. Mm. Well, I, I'm curious, too, kind of going a little bit back to the, the writing and making process. Was it kind of hard for you when you started to tackle it, kind of examining somewhat, you know, stuff that you knew in the everyday to kind of, like, have a more objective or, like, distanced viewpoint? Or was it just all, already just a kind of natural, like, oh, yeah, I know all this and therefore I can kind of depict this? Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure I got the the, the question. The, you, you're talking about the... Yeah, I'm just saying that, that you being a part of uh, Recife and and um, kind of depicting it, Do you did you ever feel like overwhelmed by trying to get things right that you knew about your world and your everyday? Or was it a pretty simple process for you? A pretty simple what? A pretty simple process for you. To kind of depict the um, everyday that you lived in, of writing. Yeah, it was very simple because um, one thing I wanted to do is um, I I truly believe that I mean uh, cinema is full of examples like that and, and also literature, but there is one notion in making films. Maybe this notion has always been there, but I feel it's still very strong. Today, and especially in commercial cinema, um, you only have a film if, if you have um, extraordinary, uh, spectacular events taking place. Which spectacular event could be a car chase or shootings or 
the building being blown up or things like that. But I actually, I really like um, the idea of, of um, all right, you, you, you can make a great action film like the first Die Hard, I mean, but that's one of a kind. And then you have all the other crappy action films. And then you can have um, something like um, Cries and Whispers by uh, Bergman. And in a way, and I, I'm, I'm kind of simplifying this, but in a way, Die Hard is just as exciting mm. as Cries and Whispers. And Cries and Whispers doesn't have to smash anything. Mm. Because of the, the drama and, and the way things unfold and, and it's sight such a high quality human situation that in in a way, in a strange way, both films are very are outstanding in, in what they do. So I'm really attracted to the idea of um, making a film out of very small scale incidents mm -hmm. and still being interesting and being and making you tense and frightened. Making you laugh, and um, I, and this is what I did, and, and and a lot of the success that this film has had is because people are fascinated by this, mm. and of course the people who didn't understand the film and don't like it, they basically say that well, but nothing happens in this movie, and uh, so so for them, I think for something to happen, you have to really shake it. And, mm -hmm. And, and go to extreme measures of, you know, something happening. But for me, a lot of stuff happens in this film. Mm -hmm. And if you happen to tune into the film, into the frequency of the film, you will agree with me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot, a lot of things happen, and, uh, and sometimes the film is quite um, strong. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt tilted at times. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways because it's so grounded in the everyday that those jolts or those dream sequences or whatever, those moments where things just seem unease or off kilter, like really stand out and really kind of shock the viewer out of like the oh every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I try to do anyway. Hmm, definitely. Well, I'm I'm also curious, too, because obviously sound is such an important part of this film. Um, and the, tell me about the process of the of the sound design of, of depicting that and using that as like a narrative choice. Well, sound is something that I love to do. And I, I, I really enjoy um, sound in cinema. It's um, it's very easy to be taken as a nerd when you begin to talk about something which is technical and uh, and which is kind of nerdy. But um, it's something that <coughs> sorry, it's something that I really enjoy doing, and I've done sound on all my short films, and even for a couple of films from friends. Um, for this film, I didn't want to use a dramatic film score, mm. music score, because 
I think that if you go back to many films throughout the history of cinema, some of the more interesting spans or some of the more tense films, they a lot of these uh, great sequences of where something is happening or you're kind of watching something unfold, they don't really have music. There's this amazing French film from the 50s, uh, Hififi, it's about this um, heist, it's a heist movie. And I think for 25 minutes, you're just doing the thing and there's no music and nobody says a word. And I always remember that. And um, so I didn't think it would be, um, it, it wouldn't be adequate for this film to have a dramatic film score. Um, because I think this is a very observational kind of film. Just watch these people doing stuff and hopefully you will get somewhere, but you need a little patience, just watch them. Mm. And in my mind, I mean, nothing against film scores, but with this film, I thought it would be a bit, you know, I, I didn't think it would fit what I, what I wanted to do. So what I did was, I'm not going to have a music score, but I'm going to have a kind of a, a very interesting collage of sounds to make up for it. Um, and that's when I started to talk to my friends who worked in the film, this idea of making a second film um, with sound. Um, so the first film, the film number one, of course, is neighboring sounds and all the images and shots. But the second film, you could even play it on the radio. Maybe it mm. wouldn't make much sense because of the lack of images, but it had to sound juicy and interesting all the time. So that's that was the main those were the main ideas that I tried to do uh, for sound. Definitely. Well I'm curious, um, you know, as as a final question, having this been your first uh, narrative feature, um, and having worked in documentaries and other forms of cinema, um, what would you kind of impart to people who are, you know, first-timers who are trying to, you know, get their own films off the ground and are interested in doing, you know, these types of films about every day? Um, people who are beginning now and have yeah. a project of, yeah. of going into cinema and filmmaking. Mm -hmm. um, well, we first of all, we're living... Uh, a very exciting time because I started out in making very kind of um, primitive looking videos in university 23 years ago using VHS and, and today you can you can do just about anything you want uh, with all the kind of technology that it, that it's available um, you can even edit stuff in your own your iPhone. Uh, so it's a very um, fertile uh, time to do, you know, to express yourself. The thing that very few people actually discuss, and that it's a major uh, point, is do you have talent, mm. uh, artistic talent? Talent is 
it's like it's taken for granted and, and it's it's not really like that because talent is everything um, so basically the thing is if you feel or suspect you have talent um, make personal films you know because um, a lot of people come to me and, and they seem to be trying to fit their uh, desire to do cinema to make films into uh, pre-laid plans by the industry. Uh, they, they seem to be trying to fit themselves into what people expect of them, and, and that's probably the worst thing anybody can do. Um, if you're good and, and if you have something to say and if you have artistic talent, uh, people will come to you because they need what you're doing. And I see a lot of people trying to please the others rather than, um, you know, making whatever the hell they want to make uh, because that's what they think about and that's what they are obsessed about. Mm. So it's, um, yeah, it's a great time to do, to make films. But you got to have talent and, and, and only time will tell if, if you have talent. Right. Um, and if you don't, uh, it's you will understand it. Also, uh, it's kind of sad, but but you will understand it. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, just express yourself in the best, most personal way possible. Mm. Well, thank you so much for talking today, and good luck on uh, international distribution for this film because I, I it's really a great film, and I hope that. Uh, a lot of audiences can connect to it and see it. Thank you so much. It was nice talking to you.